Hello and welcome to Generation Church of Independence, Kentucky with our pastor, David Mills. Like and follow us on Facebook at Generations Church where we live stream every Sunday morning. Now join in with us as we share in God's Word and we hope you enjoy. service we almost pushed the chairs back so we can have a little dance floor this morning get a little we had a the kids musical we had a little strobe ball thing or whatever that is we could have busted that out um, we uh, were in a new series uh, a couple weeks ago if you were here we uh, we catered to the the boomers and the gen xers uh, I don't know if you know this or not but my, my kids call me boomer now because they think that I'm old I am not a part of the boomer generation but evidently they think that I am uh, we did Aerosmith uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we did the only song that we could do in church, uh, Living on the Edge. And so we thought we would uh, whet the appetite of the millennials today, give you a little John Mayer. And uh, that Love is a Verb, actually way back when a group called DC Talk did a song called Love is a Verb as well. And uh, Gen Zers, I, <laughs> I don't know you're going to get any songs anytime soon. I'm not sure. If there's any music uh, that we, I don't even know if it's called music anymore, what, what you guys are listening to. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you like that stuff, you could have watched the Grammys this week, not come to church to hear the Gen Zers. But we are in this series 
of this whole idea of staying in love. Uh, I already mentioned that, yeah, there's going to be some focal points of marriage, relationships, those kind of things, but I think it also translates. I don't want you to check out if you're not in a relationship, if you're not married, because I think it translates into all of our relationships of how we treat each other, how we're supposed to love one another. And the, the problem is with love is a lot of times we go on feeling, and feelings are good. God gives us feelings, except many of us stay in those feelings, and when the feelings start to go off kilter a little bit, uh, we, we, things start to go, go really bad. Let, let me illustrate my point on the, the whole feelings thing. We now, at Christmas time, have a whole channel dedicated to movies that make you feel good. Anybody watch the Hallmark Christmas channel? It's 24 hours a day for like, I think it's all year now. I've seen Christmas movies on now that Christmas is over, but at least on the Hallmark uh, Christmas channel for like Thanksgiving on, they show 24 hours a day um, movies that are pretty much the same, except they just have different characters in it. And some are set in the 1800s, some are set now, but it's the same thing. A town is in crisis, someone comes to save the day, and they leave, and then they come back because they, they just knew, they had a feeling that they needed to go back, and people fall in love, and everything is happy at the end, and everybody, uh, you just leave and you feel good. You feel good. And we base love on feeling. That's the way we like those movies. Some of us like those movies because we, we, we know we want a good ending, and we know that it gives us a good ending. Because life sometimes just doesn't give us good endings. And maybe we should, uh, I was thinking this week, maybe we should start calling it, instead of falling in love, feeling in love. Because that's really what gets us to that point of falling in love is our feelings in the first place. Um, but how do we stay in love? Like I said, there's plenty of websites now that will help you fall in love. There's 1,500 of them. Match. E-Harmony, Farmers Only, whatever, I mean, one for everyone. There's one for now that if you're over the age of 55, you can fall in love. There's a, I'm not sure what they call it. I don't want to offend people, but I know there's one. I've seen, I've seen, uh, there's ones where you can go out just at lunchtime for professionals. I mean, if, if you want to fall in love, you can probably do it because there's a website to do it. But how do we stay in love? A couple years back, there was a movie, I'm not, I don't know how many people have seen it, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people saw it, but it was a movie called Juno. And in the movie Juno, there is a girl who becomes pregnant while she is in high school. And uh, she's going through, as you can imagine, all these emotions that a teenage girl is probably not ready to deal with. But she's going through the emotions of, should I have the baby or should I not have the baby? Should I have the baby and and keep it? Should I abort the baby? And the, the movie plays with that emotion that I'm sure many people uh, feel and, and go through. Or should I have the baby and then find a couple to adopt the baby? And so she's going through all of these different scenarios in her head. And there's a, there's a pivotal point in the moment where she sits down and she talks with her dad, who is divorced and has remarried with his wife. And she lives with them. For, and they've been married for the last 10 years. And she's realizing that the couple she has chosen to give her baby to what seemed to be great and on the outward appearance they looked like a phenomenal couple that couldn't have kids and they have money and they have everything that society says yes and then she starts to get to know them a little bit better and they're, they're messed up, we're all messed up. You know, she's starting to really wonder, man, what am I doing? Like, am I making the right decisions? And there's this pivotal point in the movie where she's sitting down at the kitchen table with her dad and she says this, 
I guess I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good. Like people in love. Dad, she goes on to say, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. She's internalizing a lot of this. And I don't think she's much different than we are. And I think it's possible or I wouldn't have gotten married. I think it is possible. I think you think it's possible. That's the reason we enter into relationships, because we think it is possible. Or at least we think it's worth a try anyway. But lasting relationships require something many people are unwilling to give or can't give. No matter what we've seen or experienced, and no matter what you want, you want there to be that special someone that you can do life with. And maybe you're one that doesn't want to do life, and that's totally fine too. I think there's people wired that way, and they don't ever uh, get into a serious relationship, and they don't ever get married. But for some of us, I, I think we desire that. We want to grow old together. We want to have someone to share life with through the ups and downs and through the young love and through children and through as you get older, you want to grow old together. I think there's something in all of us, whether it's marriage or not, we all desire to to have a relationship with people so we can do life together. Because life is not meant to be alone. But the reality this morning is the requirements for falling in love are pretty easy. Um, you have to have a pulse, a heartbeat. I mean, that's, that's the requirement for falling in love. It's a lot harder, or the hardest part, is to actually stay in love. Not just to fall in love, but to, to stay in love. But here's the thing, everybody can fall in love, but very few people stay in love. I'm going to ask you to kind of go into the recesses of your mind and think about the first time that you fell in love. You remember, was it elementary school? I mean, the first time that you actually fell in love and you wrote that note. Now kids have phones and they, Okay. Uh, so like they don't get the, the, the writing of the note and passing. Did anybody ever write a note and pass it to someone in school? Come on, you can be honest. I did. I, I would tell you the name, but it gets awkward when things are on Facebook Live now and like people are friends. Like, you know, this does not go there. But I remember writing. I maybe fourth grade, fifth grade. I fell in love. And I was a beautiful girl, and I wrote her a note and said, you know, check yes or no. Do you want to go with me? You want to go with me? What does that even mean? Do you want to go with me? Go where? That's the, that's the lingo we choose. And so some of you, it was elementary school. Uh, for some of you, it was junior high. The worst several years of my life was junior high. Junior high, it just there's a lot of things going on in junior high. A lot of emotions, a lot of hormones, a lot of different things. But junior high is when you really love someone, Right? You remember like being at the basketball game and your knees touch another girl's knee? You're like, oh, you touch a girl. Oh, I'm touching her knees. We all down. Like, like you, you feel it. Now, I know that we've progressed way too far in relationships now in junior high. But back then, just like sitting next to someone was like a big deal. And you fell in love. Oh, God bless junior high. Or maybe it was high school. Maybe it was college. Maybe some of us are still waiting to fall in love. But we all desire that. We all desire to be loved and to love others. It's hard sometimes to stay in love 
because of what we've seen or felt growing up. Um, your normal and my normal for staying in love is what we have experienced and what we have seen growing up. Um, here's the thing that we need to keep in mind. That what your kids see out of you or your grandkids see out of you and your relationships, that is what their normal is going to be. So that should put a little bit of heaviness on you today. Of how they feel, how they experience love, how they show love, not only to uh, your spouse, but how you show love to other people. You are setting what is normal for them in their life. What does that look like? If you saw this in your life, do unto others as they deserve to be done unto, then that's probably the way that you express and show love. Or maybe it was do unto others as they do unto you. Or do unto others as your mood would have you do it. That feeling thing again. Maybe that's what you saw growing up. That's normal for you. That's how you express it. Do unto others to get them to see things your way. Oh, none of us would ever do that. Or none of us would ever do this one. Do unto others until you wear them down enough to get your own way. Anybody ever do that? If you saw that growing up, more than likely that's how you see love, show love, express love, feel love, or maybe do unto others until you're ready just to leave and walk away. And so those become the unwritten rules in our relationships. It's important to say that if what you felt was something less than unconditional love growing up. I, I was fortunate enough to, my parents weren't perfect, and my life is not perfect. My marriage is not perfect. I think we need to get that out of the way. I think sometimes we think, oh, he's got his life together. It's not. I go through the same struggles that you go through. And my wife would, if she was here, would say amen, probably not say amen, or my kids would probably say amen out loud. But what if you experienced, some of you didn't experience a, a functional, loving, unconditional love household. Some of you grew up in great dysfunction. But it doesn't mean that's not what you crave, is unconditional love. And then when we come into adulthood, we still desire that. We still crave it. And that's what we're looking for in our relationships. But if we've never seen it lived out, it's harder to stay in love. And as families continue to break down, and as kids have to compete with mom and dad's second family, and as statistics would say, it's 40% of babies that are born this year will be born into single moms that have no significant contact with their biological fathers. We have a new normal. We don't live in Pleasantville anymore, and probably never did. We don't live in Mayberry. There's a new normal. The good, the good news is, no matter what situation you grow up, grew up in and how you saw love, you still get to set what is normal for your life. You don't have to live in that realm. You don't have to live that, that, that there are people that are coming behind you if you have children and grandchildren, that they need you to show them what love looks like. And so it leaves us wondering the same thing, the same question that Juno has in that movie. Is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever in love? I mean, some of us have stayed together, but man, we haven't seen the love word or shown the love word or expressed love in a really, really long time, and we're existing. Is it possible? 
I wouldn't be up here preaching to you if I didn't think the answer was yes. I wouldn't be up here speaking and preaching if I didn't think that's what God's answer was for us today was yes. But we have to come to the fact that it's harder than ever to stay in love. Not just in our marriages, but in our family relationships, in our, work, our relationships with our coworkers, with our friends and, and neighbors. It's, it's harder. And I read this this week, and I thought it was good enough to, to bring to your attention, and we'll probably use it several times throughout the next couple weeks, and even this series, this, today, I'll use it several times. But I read it, and I thought it was is good, because it, it gets beyond the feeling of love. It says this, the key to staying in love is not finding the right person. It's finding someone who is committed to becoming the right person while you work on becoming the right person. It's what love looks like. And if, if you're going to find that exact person, that right person for you, that's going to meet all of your needs and never let you down, please let me know. Because I need to write a book about that, and we can make a lot of money doing that. Because that's not the reality. I think it's important for me to pause for a moment and, and to say there, there are many who have gone through the pain of separation and divorce. Can I tell you something? It doesn't mean that you're a failure this morning. Actually, many of you have probably fought like crazy for your relationships and for your marriages and didn't have someone on the other side fighting as hard as you did. And you're broken and you're wondering the same thing. Will I find love again? I don't know if I even want, is there love for me because I've, I've been broken, I've gone down that road, and I know that staying in love is harder, and I'm not sure I want to do that again. The one thing that I've learned in my 20 years of ministry and meeting with couples is that when a relationship is falling apart, both parties have to be willing to fight for it. It's the first question I ask when couples come in and they're in, a, they're in a crisis moment or they're trying to work through some things. The first question I ask, are both of you willing to fight for it? Because unfortunately, if one person is not willing to fight for it and the other person is, it's probably not going to end well. Because staying in love means both people are giving of themselves, trying to become the right person themselves so they can be the right person for that other person. And if you're not willing to fight for it, it's not going to happen. And really, I try to be a mediator in those moments, and I, I move people on to marriage counseling because it's a way above my pay grade if I can't help it, or if I know that I, it's beyond what I could help and just listening and trying to help people work through situations. But relationships, one thing that I know, relationships that last are relationships where both parties are willing to fight for it and to work on themselves. Because a lot of time, not only just in our marriages, but in our relationships in general, a lot of times we like to point out the things that the other person can do better. Instead of pointing the spotlight on us. Here's the good news this morning. In the midst of our messy relationships, and they are messy because we're trying to figure this out as we go. I tell my kids all along, I, I've, never, I've never raised a teenage girl before, so it's going to be messy at times. I've never raised a 13-year-old boy getting ready to turn 14 before. And so we're going to, even with Jody, we, we've learned there are times that we've never been at this point in our marriage before, raising teenagers and growing older together, and jobs, and all those kind of things. We've never been here before, and so it's going to be messy. But Jesus, 
throws out a lifeline to all of us. He gives us instruction that we are not hopeless. There is hope this morning, and it's found in John 13, 34. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And I think it probably came a shock to their system because they grew up with, with the, the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, and that is what they lived their life by, ritualistically. I mean, they, that, they gave their life over to the Ten Commandments, and they obeyed them with everything that they had. And Jesus shows up on the scene and says, guess what? I'm going to give you a new commandment. New commandment translated in, in its original version uh, means new, unused, that this is beautiful. No one's ever, ever even thought about this or done this before, but I'm going to give it to you, and it's going to be strange, and it's going to be remarkable, and it's going to be all of these things all tied together. I'm going to give you a new commandment. What is that commandment? Love one another. Is there more to that? Nope. New commandment. Love one another. Translated into your relationship, having trouble arguing, meaning y'all quit arguing, go home and love each other. That's what he's saying. Love each other. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Jesus is saying this. He's not commanding us, remember, to feel something because our feelings only get us so far and probably lead us down the paths that we don't want to go. I'm not commanding you to feel something in this commandment. I'm commanding you to do something action. Love is a verb here. I mean, I know we like John Mayer and that he's a great guitarist and stuff, but he doesn't, he doesn't get to claim this. Jesus gets to claim it. Love is a verb. I'm not commanding you to feel something. When I say love one another, it's not passive. I'm commanding you to do something. That love has bones and flesh and muscles and I need you to show and do and be love. Love is a verb. How do we do this? The scripture finishes it out for us. I love it. Just in this small one scripture says this, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. What does that love look like? Jesus says, look at me, follow me. Do what I do, because that is what love looks like. It doesn't say not as you have been loved by others. It, says, it doesn't say love others the, the way that you've been loved by others, because what would that end up being? But that's, that's the way we do, because that's our normal. It doesn't say love one another as you have seen love demonstrated by others, because we have all been failed and we have failed others. It doesn't say love each other in reaction to how others have mistreated you, it doesn't say that. What does it say? Love each other as I have loved you. Jesus is saying, learn from me. Take your cue from me. Let me be your guide, not your feelings. I am the example of what love looks like. Not your spouse, not your kids, not your mom or dad not the person who raised you. I am the example to follow. In Ephesians, 
the writer, the writer to the church in Ephesus is Paul, and he re- reiterates uh, what Christ said while he was walking on this earth. And he says in Ephesians 5.21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Love one another the way that I have loved you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because if we are following Christ, he is showing us how to be reverent in this and to follow each other and to love each other the way that Christ has loved you. We don't like the word submit. I don't like the word submit. I mean, who, who likes to submit? We like our own way, to do our own way, to do, our own, to do it our way, the things that we know how to do. And when someone else comes in and messes it up, we don't like to submit to that. I mean, we, we tried to do it the right way, the, Jody and I, of, of dating and then being engaged. And we didn't live together until we got married. And then we got married. And you're like, work it out. Figure it out. Submit. We don't like that word unless we're using it. We, we like the word with our children. We like for our children to submit to us. That sounds very good. We like for them to obey what we tell them on the first time. I mean, what would our world look like if our children obeyed on the first time? Completely. Confidently. Lord, help us. We would love for our dogs to submit. To not bark. To use the bathroom in the one spot where it doesn't mess up our yard everywhere. We would like for our cats to submit. Just joking. I don't really care about cats. I, I, I don't like cats. I'm sorry if you're a cat person. I, I just don't like cats. I don't really care what they do. Um, anyway, submitting means this. Love each other unconditionally. No strings attached. Out of reverence for Christ, love your spouse. Love your significant other. Love your children. Love your friends. Love people like Jesus loves you. And we don't see this lived out too much. We see jockeying for position. We see manipulation. We see people wearing down people until they get what they want. We don't see mutual submission lived out too much. Remember that saying that I talked about? Don't try to find the right person. Find the person that's going to try to right themselves and to grow themselves and while you try to grow themselves and and love each other through those moments we don't see it too often but when we do we know that's what we want for our relationships i mean sometimes you read those stories of people that have grown old together and within hours they they go to heaven and they they die within hours of each other i think just because of a broken heart i mean we see like there's nothing more beautiful to see someone who's been married for 50 60 years and they're out and they're holding hands and the guy's still open the door and you can see her looking at him i mean when you see mutual submission you know that's what you want just we don't see it very often i mean we ask our question is it possible for two people to to stay happy together like that forever believe the answer is yes love is a verb it is not a command to feel it is a command to do 
And it even becomes more of a possibility for all of us if we understand the I as love, I have loved you part. Like that's how we're supposed to live. I want you to love your spouse. I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to love that difficult person at work. I want you to love your kids. I want you to love your grandkids. I want you to love that family member who drives you absolutely crazy. The way that I have loved you. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean we become a doormat. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. But it still means that love is a verb, that love is a command to do. Not a feeling. Jesus says, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you how to love. I'm going to show you so much that I'm going to submit to my Father in heaven that I'm going to die for you so that we can have a relationship. So Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. Submission. I want everybody to pull out their phones. Pull them out. Don't, don't, be, don't be, this is one time in church you want to pull out your phones, not look at Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Pull out your phones, and then I want you to pull up, I want to pull up your notes section. I hope you love me after this. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework this week. The do part. This is your homework this week. Everybody ready? You should have time to pull up your notes section. I want you to write this question down on your phone, and I want you to revisit it every day. And if it's something where you don't on your phone a lot, write this question down and then write it down where you see it every day. This question, write it down. How can I show love this week to my spouse? If you don't have a spouse, how can I show love this week to my parents? And all the parents said, amen. I hope my kids wrote that down the first, the first service. Or how can I show love, if, if you're not in a relationship right now, how can I show love to the difficult family member? Or how can I show love to my parents? Or how can I show love to my child or my kids or my grandkids? Or how can I show love to my neighbor or to my coworker? Whatever it is, whatever you're feeling like the Lord is speaking to you of how you need to, to show love, to put love into action this week, what do I need to do this week to show that? And next week, when you come, I'm going to ask you, how did you do this week at showing love to someone that you needed to show love to? And guess what? You're going to ask me, probably, maybe, and I want to be able to say, you know what? This is how I showed my kids that I loved, and this is how I showed my wife that I loved her this week. See, love is a do thing. It is a commandment to act, not a feeling. Our prayer for each of us this morning is to put love into action. Make it a verb in your life. They will know that they are my disciples. How? By the way that they love one another. You want to show Jesus to the people around you in your circle of influence of the people that don't know Jesus? Show them how to love well. Love well. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your words to us this morning. We're thankful this morning that you don't give us a commandment and then not show us what to do or how to do it or how to live, but you show us the way. And so I pray that you would etch your words in our hearts this week of what your scripture has said to us, to love one another, 
and love one another the way that I have loved you. We realize it's difficult, God. We realize even in this moment there are probably relationships, whether there are marriages or whether other relationships of friends and family that are hanging by a thread. And we're wondering if it's worth fighting for. God, I pray that you would remind us that even in the midst and the difficult situations that you have called us to love. And so I pray that as we wrote those questions down or we wrote that question down and you start to speak to us or impressions on our heart or whisper in our ear of how we are to love others this week, I pray that we would write it down and that we would act it out, that we would do instead of just have a feeling that we would put flesh and bones and muscles on what love looks like this week. Our world desperately needs to see what love looks like. Our children need to see what love looks like. Our grandchildren need to see. Help us set what is normal in their life. But the only way that we are going to set what is normal in their life and to give them a good understanding of what love looks like is to follow your lead and to love others the way that you have loved us. I pray that you would help us do that. We know that this is hard, but you promised that you would help us. And so I pray that we would lean into you and your understanding and your Holy Spirit to help us guide us to say the right words, to do the right things. And may we lead others to Christ because they have seen you and us and our love for one another. We'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.